Every day I am getting one step closer to having another healthy baby. And Caraway Home is helping me do that. Their ceramic, naturally slick surface cookware allows you to cook with minimal butter. Uh, they're very easy to clean. Just a little warm water, you wipe it down. And the best part is, is that Caraway products are made without any toxic materials like BFASs, BTFEs, and a bunch of other things like I can't even pronounce. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, right now, visit Caraway wayhome.com slash TSFS to take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive to my Sarah Fraser Show listeners. So visit carawayhome.com slash TSFS or use code TSFS at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. It's time for you to see what all the fuss is about, read about their five-star reviews, and why so many TSFS fans buy Caraway Home. Order now. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? Taylor Swift: The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. Join Reddit on Wiki every Monday and Friday for some of the most jaw-dropping stories Reddit has to offer. With each episode, John, Sean, and Josh meticulously curate the most engaging content from Reddit, transforming it into a podcast experience filled with laughter, awe, and sometimes disbelief. I, I bet. Get ready for a roller coaster ride of emotions with the most captivating stories from the corners of the internet. Subscribe to Reddit on Wiki wherever you get your podcasts. All right, you guys, coming up on the podcast today. So this popular Instagram plant has been puncturing people's eardrums. Why you might want to take it out of your apartment and Insta photos. And I have a repressed memory, Sarah, that I really want to share and hear what you have to say about it. I know. Big moment. All coming up on the Hey Fresh podcast with Paul Warren. Pacers running. We absolutely love them. And you know what? I was just in Pacers, Paul, and they wanted everyone to know that when you come in, you don't have to be a serious runner to buy shoes from Pacers Running Store. They have five locations in the D.C. area. In Arlington, D.C., Alexandria, all you have to do is love to walk, to run, to get outside. So you should never be intimidated. I love it. Don't you love it? <laughs> I just absolutely just love it. buy great shoes. And you know what else, Sarah? What? Valentine's Day is right around the corner, so I don't want people to show up short. You know our friends at Mervis Diamonds have everything you need from engagement rings to jewelry, diamond studs, everything. We're having a fabulous party on February 8th at 1700 K Street Northwest. That's the DC Mervis Diamond Store. So check them out online and check us out at the party. Oh, perfect. Oh, all right. Oh, all right. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Hey. What's the phrase that you hear every day? Hey, phrase. What's the phrase that you hear every day? Hey, phrase. What's the phrase that you hear every day? Hey, phrase. What's the phrase that you hear? Tune in, yeah, you gotta tune in. Sarah Frazier on the mic and she about to begin. The co-host with the most Paul Warren looking fleek. Take it from me, you should be listening. From the nation's cap. I can't shake 
Oh my God, you guys, already a crazy, crazy morning. Uh, welcome to the Hate for H podcast with Paul Wharton. It yes. goes down every Wednesday. Yes. We give you a new show all about pop culture, news yes. of the week, our crazy lives, and then we usually talk dirty. With <laughs> we really do, right? I guess. Oh my God. Over the weekend, Paul Wharton, um, who co-hosts the show, and, and it was crazy because I was just saying this to you yesterday when we talked. I was like... You have literally been on this show for coming up on one year. It's one year. Which is nuts that a year has gone by so fast. What you going to get me? <laughs> you know, what is the one year Nothing. anniversary? <laughs> Nothing. What do you get for one year? What do you get? Is it's it not silver? a diamond. It's, it's not, not even silver. It's a wood. Is it wood? What? Give me a box of condoms. <laughs> box of condoms. Magnum if you're nasty. And we are nasty on this show. I'll take it. Uh, but anyway, it's hard to believe it's coming up on a year. That is I'm crazy. I'm really happy in this relationship. I know. We really do have a great time. Well, we I got to tell you, I know you're like more of a long-term relationship kind of girl. Most of my relationships have been, you know, at about nine months, we start looking at each other kind of funny. <laughs> no, really. If we hit the year. in business or? No. In, oh, no, just in relationships. No, in business, they go on forever. Oh. Like I've been dealing with the same people forever, but <laughs> relationships, because this is kind of like a marriage. This is the closest thing I have to a, a work marriage, definitely. Oh my God. That's so true. It's so crazy. Well, um, speaking of, oh my God, I can't wait to introduce you to this guest. Um, but anyway, over the weekend, we were celebrating you because yes. you really had a great milestone and your book, Pulling It All Together, is out. It's on shelves. It's being sold at Target, Barnes & Noble. And Paul had a fabulous um, book signing in Tyson's Corner and it was the best afternoon. We had so much fun. It was hysterical. And oh my God, I, I can't even tell you. Some of the people at your event were <laughs> Unbelievable, including your mom's neighbor who listens to this show. Shireen. Shireen. And then came over to me at one point, and I actually thought she was going to bitch me out. Okay. And she was like, can I talk to you? And I was like, sure. And she's very, she's this very attractive woman. And she's like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, uh. uh. <laughs> Where do you want to begin? I mean, you're going to take me for a drink? I mean, set the scene. Have I been drinking? And she's like, no, really. She's like, the show. Like, you ask the craziest questions. She's like, you guys talk about the most insane thing. And she goes, why would you ask Paul if he shaves his butthole? And I was like, what? I don't even remember. I don't even remember asking you that. Well, I guess you we asked did. me if I was into anal bleaching, I think. Oh, maybe that was it. Maybe that right. was it. But anyway, shout out to Shireen. And you had a lot of great friends and guests I mean, there. shout out to Shireen and shout out to everybody that came to that book signing. You know, as a first time author, you really are just anxious. You don't know if anybody's going to show up. Right. Yeah, and I bet. to walk in that store and hear those cheers and thank you to um, our colleague, Sean Yancey. She's our anchor oh, yeah. at Fox 5 and my good, good friend. And she moderated that day. And to Wanda Durant, Kevin Durant's mom, the oh real MVP. She's Which, awesome. All I can tell you this is this is why I love hanging out mm -hmm. with you. Of course, you're a good person, but your friends. So Wanda Durant, <laughs> Kevin Durant's mother, the NBA star, right? She walks into this party and yeah. she has the Yves Saint Laurent boots on that like every celebrity have that are all in Swarovski crystals or something yeah. that are $10,000 a pair. I have never wanted to kiss someone's feet so much. I was like, oh, my God. Girl, the fact that you walked in here with $10,000 YSL boots. I was so I jealous. I love her so much. She is such she a good amazing. friend. You know what I was shocked to hear from her? What? You remember when she got up on the mic and she said, you know, when I first moved here and I was, you know, checking out the social scene, I was intimidated to talk to you. This is some woman wearing $10,000 Yves Saint Laurent boots whose son is like the, a major star in the NBA telling me she was intimidated. Did you hear? But you know what's funny is I actually think that was like... 
a bizarre, it was kind of this weird theme because now I know you and like I don't think that you're at all intimidating but I think people feel that way about you because you are so pulled together which is actually why your book's <laughs> name is perfect but seriously I think you give off that vibe you know what I mean you're just you carry yourself well you're well put together you you know you always look like a million bucks so I think there's a level of intimidation wow well I had and no you idea a, you know you're very recognizable the I'm hair just trying to have like, a good time and she's like saying that but but just the love that we share and all the new people that I met. So awesome. And today, I open up the Washington Post and there's an amazing <laughs> spread. Okay, so you guys know in my book, I talked about this when I went to Grey Gardens. Yes, yes, we remember the trip. We followed it on your Instagram. Exactly. So the Post, today's Washington Post, you can either get it online or in the Post. And it says, Grey Gardens guest star, Paul Wharton. So it's this full story about me going to Grey Gardens and finishing my book there and being Sally Quinn's Final house guest. It's so dramatic, and the picture is so big and glorious. <laughs> Look, my picture is like a thousand times bigger than Kid Rock. <laughs> well, the, the best part about this this style section is you are literally in. You're next to some of my favorite people, Ruth Bader yes. Ginsburg. And also and Kid, Kid Rock, Rock, who I actually love. I know, which is terrible. I would really hate fuck him. Like, it's awful. Because he's so conservative and he, like, he's racist. He's terrible. But he's something despicable. attractive about That's him. That's why I'm glad my picture's bigger than his. But if you haven't gotten my book, hey, check out check it out online on Amazon and on Barnes & Noble. Save your great. receipt and send it into contest at pullingitalltogether.com because you will be entered into a contest for the great Mervis Diamond Earring giveaway. And we are announcing the winner at our event at Mervis on February 8th. So definitely do that. Oh, my God. So thankful. Perfect. We cannot wait to see you. Yeah. We have so much to talk about on the podcast coming up. Um, I I really want to get your thoughts on the mom who makes her seven-year-old daughter pay rent. Okay. Um, If you think that's true. Actually, I think the daughter is five. It's not even seven. This kid is like five. Can you like speak at five years old? But she's making her pay rent out of her allowance, right? Yeah. But still. This mom this week caused a lot okay. of controversy. I we'll want to hear. I want to hear what you have to say about that. Also, um, yes or no? Do you think that giving any sort of negative, not even really negative, but criticism to a coworker ever works? Do you ever think hmm. they take it and actually improve? I don't give criticism to people unless they ask me and and really insist that I give them some kind of criticism. For the most part, unless they work for me, and if they work for me, oh, they're hearing it all day long. They are. Uh, the Razzie oh. Awards have also been announced. And then in light of everything that's happening with Me Too, there's a new guide out for how men can talk dirty in the bedroom without sounding creepy. Oh, God. And I think you'll be perfect to weigh in on this. I think it'd do be great. Talk, do you do dirty talk in bed? Hell, yeah. I you do dirty do? talk on text <laughs> in the bed. And this one time, this guy was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to share this. I'm going to tell everybody. I'm like, good. I need a good scandal. I'm trying to sell a fucking book. <laughs> you know what? I'll give you the names and contact numbers where to send it to. Send it to the Post. Send it to the New York tell Times. Everybody. Tell fucking everybody. In fact, <laughs> how about this for a dick pic? I mean, no, really. I need well, a good scandal. By the way, a lot of people, a lot of people have reached out over social media. You guys can always email us at Sarah at HeyFrage.com. It's Paul Wharton style at Yahoo.com. But a lot of people want to know what the update is with Chuck and if Renzo is off the scene. Oh because God. a lot of people have said, you know, they in what light of Chuck. What did they say, Sarah? What did they say? Well, they just basically said that now that Chuck is on the scene, regardless of what happens there, that you need to get rid of Renzo. That Renzo just seemed like he wasn't very good to you and the things that he said to you were not polite. And people want to know, like, is there a chance that Chuck... I mean, because we know that Chuck is in this open relationship, but is there a chance that you and Chuck could ever be together? Well, that's this is so crazy. I didn't know you were going to bring this Paul's up. Paul's face is like, 
like he's like, hmm, is there a chance? Well, I'm looking at you because I thought that we were gonna like the Chuck talk wasn't gonna happen today, but I'm happy that it is. He'll be happy that it is, I think, because you know he listens now. Oh, I know, I know. Chuck's a big listener. Well, a lot of people were fans. After well, let that me story. tell you what I learned about Renzo in this whole experience and having Chuck say what he said, and I really appreciate what he said in terms of God. Any person that would tell you you need to lose all this weight is a total asshole. What I realized about Renzo when I confronted him with that long text is that we do have cultural and language issues. Kind okay. Of, do you know? Okay. I don't believe that after speaking to him about it, that he did it maliciously. It's just how he is um, and who he is as an Italian man that lives in Brussels and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. Okay. You know, he okay. doesn't really talk the way that we do. Because there's a lot of things I say to him that he has no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. Got like, it. Like, at Got all. It. So, you know, Renzo and Chuck are both long shots, you know, when you really think about it. Because someone in an open relationship, that would mean I'd never be, you know, in the top spot. you'd never be exclusive, yeah, yeah. So I think it's for a good time and, and not necessarily a long time. But I do think that Chuck and I will have a good time, a good, good, good time for a while. And then we'll turn into really good friends at some point. And I think the friendship will stick for a lifetime. I really do. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, that seems like you kind of sorted it all out then. Yeah, I think it's really good. Because last week, you know, you were like hot and heavy and maybe you guys were going to see each other again. But now it seems like you've got some perspective. And no, we're definitely going to see each other again. And we're having a great time and we talk every day and we text every day. And um, but, you know, I think Renzo can also be a good friend, whether or not we end up being in a long term relationship or not is, is you know, yet to be determined. But he does want to move here next week. I know next that's year. crazy. Next um, week. That'd be amazing. Get him in here again. His idea of being romantic was hanging the Constitution of the United States <laughs> on the wall. On the wall in his house, in his country house in Rome, so I feel more at home. Okay, I'm sure. like, hang a picture of me and Patty LaBelle on the wall. That'll make me feel at home. <laughs> fuck the Constitution. Shit, who the fuck you think you're dealing with? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, look, I have to tell you, though, I have a small bone to pick with you oh. after your book signing. What happened? <sighs> You have been withholding, perhaps, the love of my life. Okay. <laughs> I am ready. Leslie, you've oh got to bring God. him in here. Leslie's our intern, by the way. We have two awesome interns, Leslie and AJ. So at Paul's book signing, there was a man who is so unique and, like, true character. Oh, my God. Rick the Rula. Oh, my God. I am so in love with you. I am so in love with you. Sit down, Rick. You're going to be right on this microphone. This is completely. Hey, Rick. We are. Hey, how oh, are you? Oh my god. Oh, get down here, Rick. Okay, Rick. Be here. The ruler. Oh my god, you are a DC legend. First of all, I was saying to Paul because you were Paul's driver at one point. You had like a limo service, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, and you walk into Paul's book signing mm-hmm. on Saturday. You're wearing a cowboy hat. Yeah. A all the way to the floor leopard jacket that was to die for. Riding chaps. Correct. Cowboy like, boots that's with the me. Snow. Yes. <laughs> Through that, <laughs> with the spurs trying to keep on. up with Paul, I love it. That's I love it. Guy. I love it. I fell in love with you because let me tell you, for people, we have listeners and that are you because your spirit is so powerful and strong. Oh my yeah. God! Mm-hmm. So we have listeners all over the country and all over the world, right? But in Washington D.C., Rick, you can answer this. In Rick, the ruler is uh, is your name, and we're just 
we're always going to refer to you as that. It's amazing. And Paul can say this. Run with me. But <laughs> there aren't really like Karen, there aren't really people that like dress unique here in DC. Right. Wouldn't you say that like everybody's very conservatively dressed, everyone works on the hill or they work for government. They never have like flair and character. That's true. So when I saw you, I was like, where is this guy from? I need to be with you. And then your um pond your production partner, Marna, yeah. Yeah. had a Marna Sparks. She was amazing. All day in the paint. And <laughs> a a coat, a fur coat that went all the way to the ground. I was like, I I've died. Marna, can I try this on? That's, and then you and I, I took went. a bunch oh, of Oh, that pictures. was Marna's coat that you yeah. tried on. Yes. Oh, I love uh, it. Oh my God. But Rick, I didn't even here's the thing. We wanted to have you on the show today because we do a lot of live podcast show appearances and we really feel like we need a greeter. Yes. And okay. we really want you to to bring it with mm-hmm. all of your flair. And part like, of the team. Be part of the team. It yes. would be an honor. In fact, I, I was so taken aback uh, the way you received me when I met you on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't expecting anything except to support my good friend, Paul. Wow. Uh, he's a phenomenal gentleman. Uh, it's nothing. There's really no words to explain how great this guy is. And I have a lot of respect and love for this brother. So I had to come. But I didn't expect anything to come out except to buy his book. Have him sign it, say something nice in it to me, and just rekindle, you know, the relationship that we had because we lost touch for a moment. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, I loved having you there. As soon as I saw you, you can't forget him. Yeah. Oh, my God, you I cannot mean, forget this man. When you see him once, you can't forget him. You know, what are some of your memories of us back in the day? Oh, man, back in the day. <laughs> and you remember, Paul? When we went to that big, huge mansion, it was way out. Yeah, that was in Gambrose. Gambrose, Merlin. Was it Gambrose? Yeah. Gambrose, mm-hmm. Merlin. Mm-hmm. And we was in this huge place, and uh, we were discussing business, of course, and some events that were coming up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's where the initial contact of us chauffeuring you yeah. around. And what really made me feel so welcomed by Paul is that anytime somebody trusts you with their mom, yeah. yeah. Did you know you were in the house? Yes. Because we even picked up Paul's mom before. So, That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Mama Warden, you cannot. Yeah, exactly. That is amazing. Well, let me tell you exactly. something. So, yes, he drove me, but at the same time, we also became friends because yes. we were riding the big limousine, yep. but then sometimes I'd be in the back of his Eldorado. Sure would. Yeah, mm, the old classic. Be in the front. Yes. She had her yes. hand out the window. I'd be in the back straight. Chilling. Paul, you just made me remember that. I yeah. totally forgot that. The Eldorado. Now, let me, let me give a little history on that Eldorado, <laughs> if I may. It's yes. a 1978. Mm-hmm. Cadillac, do you still Eldorado, have it? yes, I still do. <gasps> That's white on white, yes. gangster white, white wall tires. Oh, yes. Fifth wheel on the back, and it's almost the same car that was in the movie called Superfly. Yes. Oh, my God. Where do we get? Did you drive this here today? No, I didn't drive today, but I will in the future. Yes, you will. This is we need right. to roll up to our show in that. Yeah, I need to roll up yeah. to the show in that. I yeah. like that car more than the limousine. All right, I man. I was like, pick me up in the Eldorado. Yeah. Said, Are you sure you want to sit in the back? So we would move the seat up, and I would climb in the back of the Eldorado yeah. and go about my business. Joe and we go to the 
the studio and I shoot Real myself. Yeah. <laughs> Rick, Real tough. Yeah. Real tough. Seriously. And you are born and raised D.C. You grew up DC on the native. Southwest yep. waterfront. Yeah. You, you just are so unique because you really don't find people that are just so genuine and true D.C. born and raised people. So I feel like we need to, we're, we're you know, Paul and I were talking, I was telling you this, Rick, like we want to come up with this segment for you on the show because I feel like you're just a wealth of knowledge. I don't know. What's your dating life like? Are you married? Am I hitting on a married well, girl? Myrna, you and Myrna are together, <laughs> Me and Myrna, right? we cool. We got a, we got a relationship oh, that's been going for like close to 10 years now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We ain't going to fix them look, up now. Myrna, <laughs> I tell you Myrna something else. snatch your wig. Hold on, look, girl. I'd be remiss <laughs> if I didn't say this. Look, yeah. see, I'm kind of, I mean, I have some, some style and some flair, but at times I kind of lay back and just observe Myrna is kind of really laid back. So the yes. few times we picked Paul up, he was real cool, real cool. So then one day he finally said, excuse me, are y'all an item? <laughs> hey, me and Myrna and I, we cracked up. We didn't crack up when he said it. But when we got when to ourselves, we bust up. Yeah, they were acting like, oh, my business partner, my business yeah. partner, my business, this is my business partner, my business. I was like, mm-hmm. It's funny, y'all. We all yeah. we in a two door El Dorado. I'm in the back. Y'all must be together. <laughs> oh my God, I'll Rick! Never forget that. You are terrific. Seriously, I, I, you are just. We're gonna roll up in that El Dorado for all of our shows. You're a greeter. You're oh, a bodyguard. Cool, cool. No doubt about it. So yes, definitely, we need to plan the next live show. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting February you like eighth. We want people to meet you at our event yes. at Mervis Diamond Importers. Oh, yes. February 8th, 1700 K Street, 5 o'clock. If you can be there, we'd love to have you, you think there as I won't? special guest. <laughs> You're part of the team now. You know, I will be there. The team has just grown by one. Look, <laughs> the team I'll has be there grown. early like I was today. Okay? Right. <laughs> oh, my I God. I believe in being prompt. In El Dorado out front. Okay. <laughs> Word. <laughs> <laughs> so you and okay, so you're a taken man. I'm just wondering yeah. if you're good, like in the dating realm. If we can ask you dating questions, yes, you can. Really? What? Ask me whatever you want, and I'll answer you truthfully. Oh no, kidding. Okay, wait. So, uh, were you married before Marna? Yeah, I was once married. I, I stayed married for about 15 years, and That's two, good. two beautiful children came out of that union. Oh, they, they're all grown now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. happened? You it just didn't work out? Well. Irreconcilable differences. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right? That's what they say. So what, what kind of career did you have over the years? Well, I've always been an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And I, I attended D.C. public schools, right? Mm-hmm. And then I, I started off working a regular job like anybody else, right? Okay. Uh, at the time, my parents couldn't afford college, so I wasn't able to go to college. But I did take some business classes, like at Smith's, you know, back in okay. like the 80s, and late, late 70s, early 80s. And then I went inside, I went and got a vendor's license because I saw guys on the street that was making money, stuff like that. Okay, selling clothes. Selling clothes, mm-hmm. shoes and jewelry, watches, hats, scarves, whatever. And I built myself up a bankroll from there. And then I started looking for a storefront. Okay, I can totally yeah. see that. Yeah. Yes. You're like oh my God. You version are... of Dapper Dan. If y'all don't yeah, know who yeah, Dapper yeah, Dan yeah, is yeah. in New York and Harlem, yes. he just partnered with, um, with Gucci or Louis Vuitton. I don't, I don't remember, but I know I who you're talking about. Yeah. And you are that person. You're the DC Dapper Dan. So <laughs> clothes, you. accessories, shoes. Yeah. You had some fly cowboy boots on the other day. Yeah. So we might have to figure that out. Maybe we'll do a, um, a pop-up shop. 
Seriously, <laughs> you're terrific. Well, thank you so much for oh, stopping thank by. Thank you we're, so much. We're going to have you on again. And a pleasure. And as they say in TV, thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so, yeah, check out our, all of our pictures on social media yeah, so you can no see doubt. him in person so you know what yeah. you are not going to miss in the future, right? Oh, my God, absolutely. All right, all right Rick DeRula, thank you for stopping by. Thank you again. God bless. God bless is right. Oh, my God, I, I love, love Rick DeRula. I love Rick. I do too. I'm telling you, he is going to be our next. We're having him bring us to shows in the El Dorado. Mm-hmm. People are going to take pictures with Rick, and we are charging money. I love Two it. Two dollars a pick with Rick the Ruler. You I are going to want you know, it. Life is so interesting. What? Well, I, who knew that many years ago? And all those experiences with he, with he and Myrna that we would come back together. Oh my God, Paul! All Through I can Sarah say, Frazier, I you are a uniter, Sarah Frazier. <laughs> I mean, I just fell in love because that's my thing about Washington is sometimes I get really depressed when I live here because nobody has like flair. When you go to New Orleans, mm-hmm. right, when you go to New York City, when you go to L.A., you see people living, especially when you go to New Orleans, almost like they just don't care. They don't care what people think. They dress eccentrically. They live eccentrically. And I love that because I think. Especially in this town, we all get roped into, well, it's like you got to dress conservatively. Absolutely. You don't see people outside the box. And when he walked in with full spurs, I was just like, I need this man. This man has to be on our show. We've got to figure out a segment. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like he and Marna have a pretty stable relationship. So I don't know oh, if he very. should be our love advisor, but well, maybe she's he can cool give. Too. She's like, I know. They, I was like, Marna, can I borrow your boyfriend? She's like, oh, it's cool. It's just my business partner. She is so cool. She's like, been Marna, saying that for years. She's been this saying is that your for years. Husband. But isn't it true that the the more authentic you are in terms of your dress, your look, like that's who he is. He's not trying to fit into anybody's standards. Definitely not a DC. Definitely not a DC. And I love his story, you know, and and he didn't get into it because it it is a long one. And and over a period of time, we'll kind of reveal it. But, you know, he grew up Southwest waterfront in Washington, DC, and, you know, knew that back in the fifties and the sixties when that was a predominantly African-American community and what it was like. And it was very affluent at the time. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, the government kind of came in and sort of moving people out and gentrification and, you know, then when D.C. went through a hard time in the 80s, it became this really crime-ridden neighborhood. So he has just a great, I love that history, you know, of like, and he's made a great career in life for himself. Fantastic. And stayed here. So anyway, uh, you guys can check out our social media. It's at HeyFrage and then Paul Wharton and Paul Wharton Style on Instagram. Is it Paul Wharton Style on it's Instagram? Paul Wharton Style on Instagram and Paul Wharton on Twitter. Cool. We'll post pictures of Rick the Rula. Uh, our friend Omarosa, I feel like every week we get to give an update on Omarosa. Um, Paul, do you believe this TMZ is reporting that she is planning a $500,000 nationwide speaking tour with $50,000 a speech. You think she's going to get that money? I think she'll get something. (laughs) I guess she's planning 10 appearances over the next three months. Um, I mean, I think she'll, I hope she gets that money. I hope everybody gets anyway, what they want. Uh, since it's Black History Month coming up and Women's History Month, Omarosa will be in high demand, as she always has been, said Robert Walker, uh, who is her representative. And during her stint at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, she worked as an assistant to the president and re- plans on apparently dishing all and talking about the inner works, inner workings of the administration. But the only thing about this is I don't know how much she can really dish you know, in these speaking engagements, if they're paying her the 50 grand to dish and tell it all, then what's going to be left for her book? So I don't know how much dishing is going on. I think that she will go and speak, but um, eh, how much she's going to divulge? Not so sure. But I would think if you're going to, okay, 50 grand 
If you're going to speak, fifty grand, I want you to do a live sex show. I mean, I want you to do tell me everything I ever wanted to know about you and everybody you've ever interacted with. You know? Yeah. No, I agree with you, one hundred percent. A Georgia mom has been getting heat over the week, as she has said that she she's being praised, but also criticized for having her five year old daughter pay rent out of her allowance. You think this is a good idea? Like. I don't know. In a, in a viral Facebook post this week's Essence Evans from Atlanta said that she makes her daughter pay household bills from her allowance. Um, and the mom went on to basically say that she has to pay $7 in allowance. But I explained to her that in the real world, most people spend most of their paycheck on bills with little to spend on themselves. Well, no, actually, she gets $7 in allowance. Yes, so you're how right. much does she have to actually spend? $1 for food and She charges $5 a week, $1 for rent, water, electricity, cable, and food. The other two she gets to save or do whatever she wants with. As for the $5, Evan said she's putting it into a savings account with her daughter, uh, which her daughter will have access to when she turns 18. I'm down 18. with it. That's I'm down good. with it. Because, I mean, allowance isn't an entitlement. People aren't entitled to allowance. You know, I told you wait, that wait, story. Wait, if you get an allowance, didn't you have to work for your allowance? Like you had to I do did. dishes How and stuff? How much was your allowance? Yeah. Well, mine only lasted like, I think my mom tried it <laughs> well, for you had your week. mom's credit card, according to that guy oh, yeah. you went to high school with. I don't know if I ever told you this, but my mom, and you know, my mom and I are like best friends now, mm-hmm. but my mom in high school would always, she'd be like, she would actually pay me not to work. She'd pay me to hang out with her in the summer. She'd wow. be like, you're going to go away to college someday and I'm not going to have you. So why don't you just not get a summer job and we'll just hang out and we'll drive around and buy donuts and that's like what we did wow <laughs> Dead serious. so i honestly i mean the people in my family are shocked they're always shocked that i like have managed to make any money and save money and create a business because they really did think i would be horrible because she with money. really tried to break totally you. she really did she totally <laughs> did yeah. and to this day she always says to me why don't you just move home and work for channel six in portland i don't know why you're trying so hard Really? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so see, allowance wasn't a thing for you. So what we had to do, my sister and I, is we had the opportunity to make $18.05 a week, okay, in okay. our allowance. And this is like in the 80s. So okay. that was a long time ago. Um, so if we took out the trash, there was this whole checklist. Take out the trash, sweep the floor, vacuum. Sure. So, you know, our parents on Friday, when my dad would come home from work, he would go through the checklist. And, of course, me and Holly would get out of our pants <laughs> and go, check, 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 <laughs> check, check, check. We would check everything. Of course, mine would be like, I'd be like you owe me 18 and oh five no every week i wanted all my money so i don't see anything really wrong with that i actually did work for that money but i was telling you remember i told you how i went to my friend's party in potomac not that long ago um i think so and their kids were doing the coat check no wait i don't think paul told us this story now okay well let me tell you this little story because i was really pissed off about this so i went to my friend's house in potomac (laughs) you were gonna say this is a good lesson in saving you know i went to my friend's house in potomac and they're very wealthy and i'm the godfather of one of the daughters okay so one of the daughters who i'm her godfather and her friend were doing the coat check so it's a house a, uh, a $10 million house in Potomac. Okay. They're having a big, fabulous party. There's a lot of rich people there. And the girls put out a tip jar. Okay. Oh, this so is a great story. So, of course, story. all the rich people feel, like, pressured from their other rich friend to give them $20. So everybody, $20? everybody is tipping these two little rich girls $20. And they already have everything. Do you know? Twenty like twenty dollars a coat? 
That's insane. Yeah, it's like, oh, here's 20. Oh, tell your mommy and daddy that Uncle Bobby said hi. You know, all that bullshit that rich people do. Oh, so, my God. I'm Uncle Paul, it been like, and here's I'm the a godfather, dollar. and it's just like, you know, you catch me at the wrong time. You know, <laughs> we you don't want to see helped. me. Do you know what I mean? So I'm leaving, and the person, that the party planner, is like, Paul, um, make sure you give a tip. Make sure you put a tip in the tip jar. Paul, you're about to leave out the door. Paul, don't forget about the tip jar. And I'm like, hey, 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 hold up. Hold up. <laughs> if it wasn't for me, this couple wouldn't even still be married. Because the mama didn't want to even talk to the daddy when she was pregnant. You know what I mean? I saved that. Okay, first of all. <laughs> Secondly, I'm not about to give these two rich, slightly entitled kids, even though I love them, but if you are expecting $20 from all these motherfuckers, there was about 200 people in that house. Holy shit. That actually is a great topic. That's a great discussion because you really do wonder, like, if you're rich, should you be sending your kids up? Because they are kind of working. And but and- no, but listen, when I was a kid, I was so happy to be able to even stay for the first hour of my parents' parties. I would have done anything. I mean, I was singing songs, pouring champagne, like I was opening the door, you know, pulling people's car around. I didn't give a fuck. I just wanted to be there, but I would never expect anybody to give me a dollar. But even if, okay, look, what would you have given money willingly and not thought anything of it if they had hired two people to be a coat check? Uh, sure. If... Well, this is the thing. I don't like to be pressured when I'm going into somebody's house. First of all, I had my ID in my pocket and a couple of credit cards. I didn't have any cash. So if I had the cash, I would have given it. But don't be harassing me like a bill collector about some tip jar money for some kids that live in a $10 million house that fly on private planes. Oh, my God. I love this topic. Come on. Well, maybe they were trying to teach him, like, hey, you got to work for it. You got to work for it. You got to work this and party. It wasn't the parents asked me. It was the event planner. And she got on my fucking nerves. And I was like, <laughs> stop saying, don't say shit else to me about these rich ass kids that need a tip <laughs> to bring my coat. My God. That's hysterical. Sorry. Uh, I'm back. Doctors are warning. Paul, said too much. Do a lot of houseplants. <laughs> Oh, that was a great, I, I love that rant. Um, do you have a no, lot of house plants? I have a lot of flowers. Oh, I just bought a plant stand. I'm trying to add more plants to my home. Um, but doctors are warning that a trendy indoor plant that has been made popular on Instagram called the yucca plant okay. is... a bit of a surprise. So off of the world, Victorian. Sorry. Um, this guy is going to be talking about the yucca plant. Uh, the yucca plant looks shabby chic on a coffee table. It does. I've seen those. But my mom has that in her house. Oh, she does? Oh, my God. She well, does. be warned. More people are getting stabbed in the eardrum and causing themselves serious eardrum damage. This plant is very dangerous because it grows tall and lots of people end up running into it, falling into it, and sometimes people even put it in their ear to clean their ears, according to doctors. Yes! Um, More and more uh, uh, hospitals across the country are having an uptick in people coming in with eardrum injuries. These are very very popular in North America, Central America, but also now they've become a houseplant with the Yuka hashtag on Instagram. Tell your mom to be careful. They're getting ear boned by a plant. Yes. <laughs> yes. What the fuck is that about? And it's rupturing their eardrum. It's like impaling their eardrum. How are you running into that little plant? I don't understand. I I think that's really odd too. I wow. Um, I know 
you go to the movies, right? Do you like a I lot do, of... I love going to the movies. I like the ones where you can prop the seat back, put your feet up. Oh, my God. Me, oh my too. God, Those are that. the best, right? And they serve good cocktails. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I mean, the Oscar nominations are out today. I couldn't even tell you what's uh, what really is getting all the nods, except for the, the Shape of Water. Did you see that one? I didn't. It's... <sighs> It's beautifully shot, but it's essentially just like the reversal of, you know, like Little Mermaid. Now, which one is Helen Mirren in? Is she in that one? Uh, which no. Which are talking about Helen Mirren's in? I don't know which one that is. Okay, sorry. AJ, AJ's our intern. AJ, will you Google that and, uh, and let us know? I'm Googling now. Google away. Uh, Shape of Water was kind of good, but it's just this dude that's like a mermaid, and they're doing like science experiments on him. It's just a wow. love It's a really cheesy love story, but it's beautifully shot. What but, about that movie, Call Me By Your Name? Haven't seen it yet. I really want to see that. So the Razzie Awards, though, are out. So here's the list of the Razzies, by the way, of course, is the worst films and worst acting performances all okay. year long. Worst picture, uh, the nominations are Baywatch, The Emoji Movie, Fifty Shades Darker, wow. The Mummy. And Transformers The Last Night. I didn't see any of those films, did you? Uh, no. <laughs> Worst actress um, or actor, uh, Katherine Heigl and Unforgettable. I did see Sorry. that movie. It, was just, it looked like a straight-to-TV movie, right? It was kind of straight-to-TV, like yeah. Uh, Dakota Johnson in Fifty Shades Darker, Jennifer Lawrence in Mother, Tyler Perry in Boo 2, a Medea Halloween. What? This is, worst, this is worst actress. And Emma Watson, The Circle. They called him an actress? What the fuck is that all <laughs> yeah, about? I guess so, because Medea's a female. Yeah, but you don't do it for the for the character. You do it for the actor. I know. I th- I agree. Um, uh-huh. Worst actor goes to Tom. Well, these are just the nominees, I should say. Uh, Tom Cruise is in The Mummy, Johnny Depp, Pirates of the Caribbean, Jamie Dornan. People really hate Fifty Shades of oh, Grey. It's, oh, God, it tanks. Zach Efron in Baywatch and Mark Wahlberg in Daddy's Home 2. <laughs> Zach Efron? He is amazing to look at. He is amazing to look at. Yeah, absolutely. You have any advice, you know, in the age of Me Too, a lot of men are looking at ways to still talk dirty to women, but not be uh, not be considered creepy. AJ, we'll get you on this one, too, because AJ's got a a young, very attractive boyfriend um, named Iggy. Yeah, does he like you to talk dirty to him? Yeah. And does he talk dirty to you? Because he seems like a quiet guy. You know what? It's funny. I think we're very organic. We we don't like. I'm scared to even talk dirty. But you know, organic, aka fucking boring, lazy fucks. (laughs) (laughs) That's what that's what organic means when it comes to the bedroom. We're very organic. In other words, the only way I talk dirty is when I'm doing one of my impressions and I pretend that I'm like a Russian sex slave, and that's the only time that I'll be dirty. Does he get hard? I mean, yeah, I'm still with him, right? <laughs> okay. So, but you were explaining this. You guys are mid-sex, and you cannot just, like, talk dirty to him. So, you'll come up with a Russian accent. He doesn't find right. that weird. Like, you're just you, AJ, and then you're, like, suddenly in All of a sudden. Man. So, you have to pretend to be somebody <laughs> I mean, else for him to get shot. off? No, I just is can't. Is that what you're saying, I can't, AJ? That is not what I'm saying, <laughs> Polly. I just, I can't. Polly. I can't do it. I start laughing at myself. Can you take yourself seriously when you're, like, yelling, like, harder, daddy? Like, I can't. I just can't. I can't. I know. It sounds fun to me. <laughs> I, I do too. I love dirty talk, but I'm also with a very PG man who like never says anything. I'm like, call me your dirty slut. And then During he starts sex, laughing. Though, that yes. just sounds like a joke. <laughs> I don't believe you, actually. Do you say that during Colin bullshit? Yes, yeah, I that's... always try to get him to talk dirty. Call anymore. me your daddy. Well, how do you say it? Not like that. I'm always like, call me your... I just got soft. <laughs> I mean, it just, call me your daddy. I'm always saying, like, oh, call me your dirty slut. Like, all that. I'm always doing that. But how do you say it, though? No, really. I'm like, damn. 
Call me your dirty little slut. Call me your dirty little <laughs> slut. Don't you see it like that? More, Babe, you like it more like breathy. this. More yeah. breathy. And he doesn't breathy. like respond. I'm like, okay, you, you need to speak. You whisper it in his ear and then let your drool like roll down his neck. See, now that's hot. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm back. Doing that. Paul is back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back. He says, uh, well, GQ has put out a guide. And now are the, here are the ways that you can talk dirty in light that men can in Me Too, in the era of Me Too. Know that this kind of thing doesn't make her a bad feminist. So first of all, they say it's all about respect in the bedroom and that essentially in a healthy, romantic, and sexual relationship, they are consensual. They put all partners on an equal playing field. So first, as a guy, you need to talk about talking dirty, specifically if you're going to talk in kink. Even more specifically, name-calling in bed. So they say, as men now in the era of Me Too, you should never start in the bedroom without discussing first and just go into, like, you slut. Like, you should never just, you like... Should, you should always say, hey... Is um, this okay? Is it okay? That's I'm gonna, so not romantic. You don't want to say... Uh, you want the element of surprise. You don't want to say what you're going to say. You want to say, is it okay if I kind of go there and talk dirty to you? Sure. Or do you have any boundaries? Do you have some limits? Well, I don't know. What are you thinking? You yeah. know, then you have to say, okay, where does it stop? Hey, I gotta tell you a story. Okay, yes, please I was tell us. In the locker room at Equinox. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Don't <laughs> tell me, is it the Ritz Carlton? <laughs> is Equinox just, in the Ritz Carlton? Is that where it, it is? It's located in the same building. Okay. Yes. But anyway, I'm in this. Okay, so you guys know I do this. Um, uh, locker room in the back of the back of the back. Right, right. So the it's back of the back exclusive. of the back is the executive locker room. So you have all these interesting conversations with these guys. So this one white guy who has a locker there, like me, and pays all yeah. that freaking money, invites his, gave his friend the code to get okay, in. Okay, okay. So the guy comes into the executive locker room, but he doesn't have a locker. So he takes off all his clothes, and he puts him in it, and he's like, in my way. Okay, that's the problem. But he's kind of in my way, but I'm kind of, I'm being real cool about it because, you know, he was cute. So he throws his whole gym bag on top of all the lockers out of the way. So I'm thinking, huh, now (laughs) this is my dilemma. Should I say something about this or just be cool? I decided to just be cool, but I'm wondering if I had had a black friend in there doing the same thing where all those stodgy old white guys do the same thing. They let my black friend take off their shit and throw their gym bag on top of all the lockers. I don't know. That's and not a good pay question. Those exorbitant gym fees to be in the back at the back of the back. Okay, that's the code on the wall. I don't know. What do you think? You think that they would say something? Well, there's a part of me that's kind of like, huh? That's interesting. How far do I want to let this go? Because I feel like, you know, he feels like he can get back in here because he's got the look, but he doesn't have the locker. See, here's what I will say about older rich men is they seem just uh, crotchety no matter who it is. Mm-hmm. So I sort of feel like they wouldn't even care that this guy, what color he was. It would just be like if he's not behaving in the way that they feel as the Equinox back uh, dressing room deserves that they're right. going to say something. Did anyone else see it or just you? No, there was another guy on the other side. He saw it too. But I mean, you know, it, it's not something that I, I haven't said anything about it. And I don't think I will. Interestingly enough, after my workout, well, you know, if he gets on my nerves or ever gets in my way again, I'm blabbing. But anyway, after my workout, (laughs) I go and sit in front of the TV in the lounge area in the locker room, and I'm trying to get myself together and eat an apple. And the two guys, the guy comes over with the locker. And on the news, on the TV right there is the uh, Aziz Ansari story. Oh, yes. So he's like, are you talking about Aziz? And I said, yeah. I said, what do you think about that? Me and this guy got into this like amazing conversation but then he went left because he says you know he was right on point with me about you know how we felt about it and 
all of that, it all made sense. But then he said, the thing about men and women is most women have a rape fantasy. Oh, interesting. Interesting. And he was just being very <laughs> matter of fact. He was like, they want to be dominated and they actually have a rape fantasy. And I was like, oh, oh. our interns are shaking their heads. Absolutely I was like, I'm not have to tell on you now because I know you don't have a locker. You're really not supposed to be back. <laughs> Security. <laughs> Security. No, but he kind of went left. Now, he well, made all I these valid think, points to that point. I think that there are a lot of women that do have that fantasy that do not that have not experienced sexual trauma. But I would say surveying our audience here. Uh, I don't think these women, you're not into it, are you, AJ? I don't think so. Do you have any girlfriends that are? No, I, I only met one girl that was AJ, the, you haven't been that around. Was dominated. <laughs> okay, right. So there's a version of it. Maybe AJ. not rape, but there's something. If you go on Pornhub and right. put in rape fantasy, like a trillion fucking but videos. But what up. does that have to do with the Aziz thing? This guy was using that to justify the the way that Aziz well, treated that woman. Women don't want to be. They don't want to acknowledge being sluts. So the woman oh. pursued him. She went on the date with him. She went to his apartment. She wouldn't leave, no matter how uncomfortable she felt, because you know she wanted a second date. But she didn't want, you know, when he was going right forward, okay. she didn't want to be like, yeah, let's fuck right now. I know it's only been. 20 minutes since we've been back. And I agreed with him on a lot of those points until he said, you know, women want this rape fantasy. Now, I do believe that some women like it rough or they like, quote unquote, a real man. You know, they like to be, they like a man to, quote unquote, take control. And we've all heard that. Yeah, I think that's true. I think, I think, yeah, I think that everybody is different, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's still a stigma around slut, I guess, but I think... I mean, my personal opinion about that story is that woman probably knew the writer of it at babe.net. And they were like, hey, this is a story because it's about Aziz Ansari. Let's cash in on this. And I think at the end of the day, it was just a bad date. So what do you think about him not showing up to the SAG Awards? Uh, oh, I think he's just I think that's just strategy of letting it die down. Don't you think that's just yeah. PR people going, hey, you know I what? I think it's a shame. I would own it. I mean, I, I would, I would get out. I there. would own it too because I think there's a lot of people on Aziz Ansari's side. Absolutely, but I'm sure Me being one of them. I'm sorry. Yeah, ladies. we are. Um, and actually, that brings us to the the Monique discussion about pay equality, which was big too. But uh, I'll end it with this. GQ also says, which this part was kind of. Um, <laughs> I call him the Nozempic Ben on Ozempic doctor. I'm talking about Dr. Applin and his wife who founded My Optimal Body. I am so happy about this. These are the first mindful eating based doctors I have ever partnered with. They see patients nationwide and they are seeing more patients who have been on Ozempic and Ozempic has failed for them. What makes My Optimal Body so unique and why am I endorsing them? It's because Dr. Applin actually looks at food additives, your, your addiction to food, your mental health. They do a whole look at you, including your gut health. Many of Dr. Applin's patients are working out, restricting their diets, and still gaining weight. Why is that? Because something's going on in your body and with your mind. Visit MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment. Be sure to tell them the Sarah Fraser Show sent you so you can qualify for a free personalized assessment, plus a bonus free 30-day supply of their gut repair product when you sign up for a customized plan. Again, that's MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment. 
odd, but essentially after you have a mutual conversation about talking dirty, the biggest thing that women need is security. So after you call her a slut in the bedroom or you're using other words, um, everyone needs to feel that they are safe and secure. So during sex or after sex, um, cuddling is very important. She knows intellectually that you think highly of her and she knows that the dirty talk was part of hot consensual sex, but sex, especially sex that's emotionally or physically intense is best followed with snuggling and reassurance of feelings. Would that make you guys ladies would you that make you feel better like if Iggy just called you like a dirty pussy eating slut like and then he was like well, give me a hug a pussy eating slut <laughs> so where's the third where's the other bitch <laughs> right where's the where's the police and we're in an orgy right now he's like, he's like, wait, wait. would that cause more problems <laughs> no I think it's always better if you uh, you know you give like a kiss and you're romantic at the end Right. You know what I think? This might be a bit of a bombshell, but and this is totally off. Well, it's not totally off subject, (laughs) but I ran across this movie about Kevin Clash on Netflix the other day. I was looking for the Joan Rivers movie, A Piece of Work. Yep, yep. I've seen this movie by the way with Kevin. Yeah, yeah. So it recommended a movie about Kevin Clash. So for you all that don't know, Kevin Clash is the um, puppeteer who did Tickle Me Elmo. He created it. He was the voice in the movement for it for all those years. He was hired by Jim Henson um, to work with Sesame Street. So anyway, he was my first male sexual uh, experience when I was 19. I think he was like 36. And I found out that he was married about six months later through the People magazine. I know, which was so crazy. And he had a photo in his house of his daughter, he right? Had a he photo claimed in his, his house, niece. And he said it was his niece, and she was the same age as my niece. He's and I'm like, mess. oh my God, we're two gay uncles. This is great. I never thought that, that guys did that. But let me tell you the crazy thing that happened. I He's click so... on this documentary, I start watching it for about three minutes, and I get sick. Physically no, ill. Physically ill. I start to feel like I'm going to throw because up. Because it's a whole like fake life of what he was really living. So then I stop the movie and I stand up and I'm like, wait, what was that? That was weird. And I start to replay what happened when I first met this man. And you know what I realized? He actually did force himself on me because I didn't want to have like, oh, this is deep, but I didn't want to have sex. Really? Oh, but I he, thought you did. Oh my God, no, this is like a crazy. I did it because one thing I tell you, if I if you remember what I said, I met him at this bar. He sent his friend over to ask me if I wanted a drink, if he could buy me a drink. I was with my gay uncle. Um, I ordered an amaretto sour. You know, that was like the only drink I knew how to order. And then uh, my uncle ended up leaving me with the guy. And then we went to eat afterwards at a restaurant called Tiffany's. We were in the West Village of New York. And then when we were on the way in a cab to his house, I had never held a man's hand. I had never kissed a man or anything by 19. Anything. Wow. I hadn't done anything. So on the way home, he said... Wow, that's a crazy... You went from zero to 100. Listen, but I thought I was going from zero to 45, like within the (laughs) speed limit, because on the way up there, he says, listen, um, I hope you don't mind. I sleep in the nude, but I can give you something to wear. So my mind is bugging out thinking, oh my God, I'm going to see a naked man. That's all I thought it was. That's all I thought it was. But the difference between me and the Aziz chick is I actually said no. I said no, but he forced it. Really? He did. And and I thought that that's what it was. Wow. So I kind of buried that. Wow. You know? Because even after that, I kind mm. of, 
you know, he pursued me a bit more and I stayed in the moment of liking him because I had never shared that experience with anybody. But there was no no. Did you guys see each other again? after? Did you ever have sex again after that one, after that first encounter? You know, I don't think we did. So you, you guys just like... I thought we were in a relationship after that um, because I was like in this weird like, oh, that's my whatever. And he would call and I would call. But I don't think we ever really saw each other again because he would travel. And then a few months later when I saw the um, the People magazine, like that was kind of that for me. Wow. And that that was my hard lesson in realizing realizing that, you know, straight men do pursue gay boys or men or whatever you want to call it. But I was thinking back on that wow. because when it when it started, it actually was like it didn't feel good. It was very painful. It wasn't right. And I jumped up and ran to the corner. I jumped up and ran wow. to the corner and I was like, oh, my God, this is horrible. Like and he was like and he walked over without saying a word and picked me up out the corner and put me back in the bed. Yeah. Yeah, it oh was, my God, it was you were like assaulted. I didn't realize I, I had buried it until this movie came on. Wow. So it does make me feel wow. a little a little differently about the whole Me Too movement. It does because I'm, I was looking at it from a distance from the outside. But one thing that I do know that I did is I was like, no, this isn't right. I don't want to do that. No, no, no. Um, I was in kind of a foreign place, right? You know, sure. in this penthouse apartment on 72nd Street, New York City. I didn't even live in New York City at the time. I wasn't even living there yet. Oh my I god, that's only, a lot to digest. I was visiting, so yeah, that's kind of deep. But so that came up. Sometimes you do bury these things because that only came up from me watching that, and I thought it was going to be kind of a crazy. Oh, let me watch and see what this fool was talking about. And it was three minutes in, and I just I got sick. I couldn't watch wow. anymore. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God, Paul, that's like a big moment. Do you yeah. feel like, uh, I don't know. Do you feel like that, that must be bringing up a lot for you? Like well, I maybe how that... you've had other relationships? I don't know. Or do you feel like you're over it and you're okay and you recognize? Well, I mean, I have a mindset to get over things. Right. But usually I deal with them and get over them. But one thing, and this just happened like two days ago with me watching this movie. Wow. So with that, what I realized is that one I got over, but I just buried. I didn't deal Damn. with it. Yeah. So no, he definitely was on the on the light side aggressive and on the severe side. Uh, I don't want to say rape, but I want to say something in the rape family. Oh my you know? god. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. That was like full on assault. Now now you've got me think like I want to Google him like what he's doing now and what's ever happened because obviously I mean he's been fired from being Elmo. That was several years ago. Well you have to he, realize he did settlements with people. He did but, settlements. But you do have to realize that young people that have no experience and and I spoke out about the girl that accused Rick, uh, Rick, uh, Russell Simmons at age yeah. 24 of taking her back to his apartment. From the time she was 17, she worked at Indochine. Okay, I'm coming from, like, Laurel, Maryland, okay, moving to New York City. You know, it's not the same Paul that you see now. That happened over years of living and a lot of life experiences. Mm. But this was at the very beginning. But my expectation was that I would see a naked man. Not that I would even touch his penis, to be honest. Like, I didn't even know that I would touch one. So, anyway, I thought I would share that because, um, you know. That's like a deep share. Yeah. And yeah. then where do you go? You know what I mean? That's like a big revelation to have. Yeah. 
And uh, you need a therapist. <laughs> was that? Sorry. <laughs> Did I just bring everybody down? Everybody's all no, quiet. No, 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 no. <laughs> I think that's just a big moment to have. And it's like one of those things that, I mean, always on this podcast, what's great is that you feel comfortable, that we feel comfortable sharing our lives with mm-hmm. everyone listening. But um, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that moment. And it's, it's hard to know, like, what you do about it because I'm sure everything has a reaction. You know what I'm saying? So You know how it's affected my dating life? And I was just thinking about what you just asked me, and I had to think about that for a second. It's affected my dating life in a way because I, in my life, can probably count on one hand the number of times I've pursued someone else. Okay, so got it, got in it. in varying that, what I knew was, you know, I need to make sure that when I'm in the, you know, in the mode of pursuing someone, that they're into me or they're, um, they want whatever we're talking about. For instance, like the thing with Chuck that night. Yes. The thing with Chuck, he was saying, we can just lay here and watch movies. And I like pulled back. I said, okay, so is that what you want to do? You know, mm. and he's like, oh, well, you're like, I'm fine with doing whatever you want to do. I said, no, no, but what do you want to do? Because see, I'm not ever, ever in a position where somebody could say I pushed myself on them. Right. I got what you're saying. I got what you're saying. And you've probably taken away from that experience with Kevin Clash that lesson. That negative experience yeah. has taught me, listen, there is no wow. there is no in between. Like, you know, don't push yourself on someone that's just not that into you or doesn't that wants to maybe hang out with you because that can be their expectation. Because right. mine was, I'm gonna see a, uh, a naked man tonight. Right, this is gonna right. be so crazy. But um but there is a getting over and I am over. Now I will go back and deal with some of those issues from way back then. Mm. Um, but hey, I came out. I've got a book. And it's <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know. No, I'm just kidding. You, you definitely <laughs> survive and yeah. thrive. But yeah. that was a big, you know, yeah. just a big revelation. Yeah. Now i got to watch that documentary, though. Because I remember seeing that documentary. And they go back to his where he lived in Baltimore. I couldn't get that far. Okay. Yeah. You know, and maybe they go I through, should but, watch it But all the way whole through. story is, like, totally fake. Because it was, like, all before he... Um, was he married in the story? Yeah, it was still all about his success, how he grew up very poor, but then he always loved puppets, which was kind of creepy, but they like encouraged it. And then, of course, you know, he ends up meeting Jim Henson. Jim Henson gives him a shot, and then he creates Elmo. And then, of course, Elmo becomes this just, you know, billion-dollar character. And Kevin... But that documentary was before all the drama, like before it all came out. So I think it portrays Kevin in a really good light, like how amazing he was and how he helps young people. Yeah, and meanwhile, he's preying on young men. I'll just share one more thing about that experience. Um, I thought that he was my first boyfriend. Sure, like love, yeah. As fucked up as all that was, I was like, oh, that's what it is. I learned what love was later, you know? Yes. Through uh, Jason Brown, through Michael McKay that I talked about from Iowa. That's when I learned what love was. But a few years later, I was at another bar. This is after I lived in New York. I think I was maybe like 21. And he tried to pick me up again and didn't even know who the fuck I was. Did I tell you this? No, that's crazy. Kevin did again? Kevin clashed the same way. Had a friend ask me if I wanted a drink. And I'm like, from who? And he points over and I'm like, Kevin motherfucking clashed. What a... And oh, I'm like, and I go over thinking, oh, he's just playing a joke. And I'm like, ah, ha, 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 Kevin, you know, and he's like, hi, how are you? And so you're... what brings you here? And I'm like, oh, 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 you don't even know who the fuck I am. Fuck off, Elmo. <laughs> you hairy red motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, this Nothing might be a really odd. Oh, <laughs> big might... bulgy. Ah. 
red lip nose motherfucker. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this might be a really odd juxtaposed um, story, but how do you feel about this? Um, this week, GQ magazine brought up the question, is it rude to have sex at a friend's house um, when you're the guest? Do you think it's do you think it's rude? See, I read this. I was like, hell no, I don't think it's rude. If you're inviting me over. But then I thought, I've got something mm, to say about this. I don't know. Then I thought, if I was a guest at Paul Wharton's apartment and I was having hot sex on your sofa, would you be upset? I mean, if you don't mind me whacking off from the other room <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with my door open <laughs> loudly. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm almost there, guys. Keep going. Keep going. And this, by the way, is they're saying a guest room hookup. Guest room hookup. Well, let me tell you. I have a story about So not this. on someone's sofa. This is basically like, you go to their house, they have an extra spare bedroom. Yeah, you can oh, have you're sex. you're a fucking adult. Yeah. Get over it. Don't you think you can have sex? I have a friend. Um, I'd love to get her on the podcast. Her name is Karen Williams. You all, she is a, she's a lesbian out comic. One of the first, one of the most successful. She's fabulous. She lives in Cleveland. She's my friend. I met her because I was watching Logo. Okay. Um, the LGBT channel, and she had a comedy special, and they're called I Need a Snack. And I loved her so much. <laughs> she said on there, she's from Cleveland. I looked her up online, found her phone number, called her. She happened to be in D.C. that night. I invited her over to my house, and we've been friends for 10 years. But check this out. So Karen is a bit of a ladies' woman. Okay, okay sure. Okay. So um, I, she had a person she was dating. And the woman came over to my house to hang out or whatever, and the lady ended up staying the night. Now, at the time, I was living in an, a converted schoolhouse, and it was a really big loft, but the walls were low walls. They didn't go all the way to the ceiling. Got it, so got you it. you could literally ride a skateboard around in the place. Oh, you sure, could ride, sure. You could do all, it was huge, but I could hear what was going on in the living room or in the kitchen or sure, in the everywhere. So you, low walls, Okay. She had the woman stay the night, and the woman ate all the shrimp out of my Chinese food, and I was fucking pissed <laughs> off. So I was mad about the shrimp that she ate out of my shrimp and mixed vegetables. I'm like, so you going to pick all the shrimp out of my shrimp and mixed vegetables? <laughs> anyway, to make a long story short, years later, like, you know, I met this guy in Cleveland named Dan, and he's lovely, and he's wonderful. And um, just a friend, though. Right. Um, okay. And when I go to Cleveland, sometimes we'll go out and have a nice dinner, and we have no strings attached, safe sex. All like, fun. It's just that, you know, it's all safe. It's all, like, all that. It's just like, you know, you leave. I say, bye, Dan. I wave you out. It's over. But one time, Karen was out of town, and I was staying at her house, and I had Dan over. But I asked her. Oh, well, then you're all good. No, wait a minute. So after the fact, she's like, you know, I don't know, Paul. I just don't know about the energy of having two men having sex in my house. It just really didn't make me feel comfortable. And this is one of my closest friends. And I'm like, you motherfucking lesbian bitch. Are you fucking kidding me? There you forget about that shrimp-eating bitch that ate all my motherfucking shrimp that was sleeping in my house. Who knew? Who knows what y'all was doing in my living room? All I heard was, mmm, ah, mmm, oh. And I'm like, okay, worth the ambient. Like, no, but 
Like, it didn't bother me, but it does so bother you, people. Well, okay, then you're, according to this article, there's a general rule of thumb, and this woman, your friend, should have been down with it. Like, yeah. you didn't do anything wrong. And essentially, the article says that the rule of thumb is, if you would talk to your host about having sex, then it's not disrespectful to hook up in their guest room. If you don't talk to your parents about sex stuff, then no, you don't get to have sex in their home, unless you really have some pent-up resentment, and you're actually looking to disrespect them a bit. So that's the rule of thumb that they say. You think that's true and if that's true then you and your friend did talk about it listen if you feel like you can have somebody rolling up in my house and they were on my pullout couch by the way (laughs) then i should be able to when you're out of town and i was in town yes and she was out of town she wasn't even there i'm forwarding her this article article. it's coming your way and you can come on the podcast and uh give us your taste please i would love to hear that um a couple more stories here before we wrap up uh there's a great new yorker article about improving ourselves to death um the self-help gurus and their critics um what they reveal about our times do you feel like we are in this phase um because essentially the article says that self-help is still so um prevalent and like it's such a huge business are you self-help to death do you think? No, I think my book is self-help, pulling it all together. Essential style advice on being beautiful, confident, most of all happy. I think it's great. Oh I boy, to... you're not going to like this article. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, it's article... about what I believe. I don't care what this bitch says. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the article goes on to basically talk about how um, essentially more and more people are feeling overwhelmed and stressed out by the self-help craze. And that now we record everything. We track our calories in and out. We track our sleep. We track our heart rate. We track our blood pressure. Like it's become so much that there's now this wave of basically books coming out that's like, fuck it, just be yourself. Stop trying to overachieve because it causes so much stress to people. You think there's any truth to that? That's bullshit. You do? I think people are stressed out about the state of the world. They're stressed out about politics. They're stressed out about the government shutting down. They're stressed out about the divide between black, white, between gay and straight, between young and old. And I think any news article, any book, any show, Super Soul Sunday, any book like mine, any, (laughs) no, really, anything that we're putting out into the universe to try to help people feel better about themselves in these dark, bleak ass days, I think is a good thing. So she can go lick my non-bleached ass. (laughs) You're on a roll today. Uh, Alexander Schwartz is her name, and the article is Improving Ourselves to Death, and she talks about the backlash that is happening. I mean, I do. I, of course, I want your book to sell, and I love your book. And, and the heart of it is how to be happy. So it's not really about, I mean, it is about self-improvement, but not just that. And I think she does have a little bit of a point. Like, I think okay. we are self-helped to death. Like, always. Because what she's saying is the self-help cult- culture promotes a culture of you're never good enough. So we're always trying to improve. Like, maybe you do really well in your career, but then you're constantly like, oh, being inundated with, well, self-care and time for yourself and this and that. And so she's just saying, that you you never with this craze there's just you're constantly on the wheel you know the rat race wheel well uh, and not to over talk about my book but it is you know our podcast so i'll do what i want but (laughs) you know there are a lot of good style guides out there okay you know people talk about clothes and exercise and makeup and hair and i cover all that in my book but i do it from a perspective of helping you feel more confident about yourself through all of those things. So any tidbit, and I tell people when they get my book, open it up to any page and find what resonates for you. You don't have to read it from cover to cover and commit yourself to it. Anything that I look at, articles, other books, I have tons of 
quote unquote self help books. I don't like commit them to memory like a, a religion or follow them like a religion. Sure. But there are certain things that I feel like may help me be a better person. Sure. May help my experience be a bit more happy along my journey. Yeah. And I'm good with that. So I just don't see downing self-help. And, and, you know, one thing I said at my book signing the other day is I think that the kind of culture of bullies has taken over. OK, so bullies like you to feel small. They don't want you to be better than you were yesterday, last month, or the year before. They're very uncomfortable with you saying, I love myself. I love the way I am on the inside. You know what? And fuck it, the outside too. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So anything that no, will I make think... you feel better about yourself, I say, hey, go with it. And if it doesn't work for you, then pass it along well, to somebody else. that I think is helpful. I think the, the problem with the self-help thing is a lot of these books, like, you know, they were analyzing The Secret. Remember when that book was huge about 10 years ago? Yeah. The Secret was kind of like, oh, if you want a man, just clean out half your closet. He'll appear. You know, like what you put out there. I don't there. know if it said that, Sarah. Did no, it, it that? did. Honest to God, if yes. You want a man? No, it, it's yes, basically. Yes, the secret did. That was the whole thing. It was like just kind of thinking into existence. So people were basically saying that, you know, that's my thing. Is like the self help thing is just I don't diet. I don't do any of that shit because it's even. I think people feel like once they get to a certain weight or once they look a certain way, that suddenly things are going to be better for them, and it's just not how life works. But I don't think that that's self help. I don't think that. I think you're using a, a painting a broad brush, saying self help, and you're talking about you know a diet book or something making you feel like you should look a certain way or be a certain way. No, self-help means, to me, anything that will improve your outlook on life. And sometimes, if it has to do with your look, fine, your look, that's okay, too. You want to look better? Great. You want to feel better? Fan-fucking-tastic. And if that falls under self-help, like your other podcast, Mindful Living, that's self-help. Yeah, it is. In this, I try to tell people what's worked for me, but I'm like you. I mean, I never want people to feel stressed. Like, you have to pick and choose there's no size that fits everybody you know no size fits none is like my new favorite slogan because what works for somebody doesn't work for someone else but i think what's happened is like you get books like the four-hour work week and all that stuff and then you think oh well i can like if i just do this i'm going to be famous or successful like tim ferris or i'm going to be successful like this guru and it doesn't really work like it, that it worked like that for them and there's some tips that you could take away, but I think that's basically what you're saying. Well, I'm telling you what absolutely doesn't work. <laughs> Doing fucking nothing. <laughs> not reaching out for any bit of inspiration. <laughs> not helping yourself to be better. Let me tell you what's not going to work. <laughs> Let me tell you what's going to keep you right where you are, doing the same shit, being mad about the same old job, being lonely, don't got nobody to fuck, you know, you look, your skin ain't looking good. You know what you do? Don't help yourself. There you go. And on that note, let's wrap this motherfucker up. <laughs> wow, you're on one today. Um, well, we didn't get a chance. I wanted to talk a little bit about Monique to see what you thought about that I'd love whole to thing. Talk about her. All right, well, here, I did a little video that. Um, that was up on my YouTube page, which is under Hey Frage. So you can go and look at that. This is about Monique. Anyway, um, but it, it, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to ask you because it sparked a lot of conversation and then it went into race. Which I watched I always... your video, by the way. I loved it. Oh, good. Thank yeah. you. Well, essentially, but I was saying, what I was saying is over the weekend, there was a lot of talk because Monique, the comedian, the actress came out. Probably everyone that listens to this podcast knows the story now, but she essentially 
said that Netflix only offered her $500,000 for a comedy special while they offered Amy Schumer, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock north of $10 million, like huge amounts. And she's saying people should boycott because of gender pay discrepancy. And so I was like, but Monique, you're not nearly as famous as those three comedians. And not only that, it's you just haven't kept yourself as relevant and i feel like that's what hollywood is right you're only as good as your best your last hit it's all about your social media numbers your box office numbers which hers aren't anywhere near amy schumer's so my question to you is but anyway a lot of people brought into that that and monique has had a history in the past of being incredibly difficult to work with mm-hmm. and lee daniels told her that she was boycotted from hollywood because when she was doing her oscar run she wanted to get paid to go to the golden globes all that stuff which doesn't happen like those awards you're supposed to basically go on a political run Absolutely. to get that award so my question to you is do you think monique had a point because wanda sykes came out and said look monique they offered me even less find a different network they're like shitty to work with or do you think that monique isn't worth more than 500 grand I don't think she had a point. I don't, I don't agree with her. You don't? I don't agree with her. I think she's angry. Her whole um, line of, yeah. her whole act as a comic recently has been nothing but negativity, bashing people that she's worked with in the past. Lee Daniels, Tyler Perry, Oprah Winfrey. She gets up on stage. She rags them out. And her humor is fucking hate-filled. And let me tell you something else. Not all entertainers make the same amount of fucking money. Right. Okay, not all hosts on TV. I, I do the same shit as Ryan Seacrest. Do you see me making Ryan motherfucking Seacrest money? <laughs> no, I'm not there yet. Okay? Right. right. Not all executives, not all CEOs make the same amount of money. It's something to be earned and something to be negotiated. In Hollywood, when they're talking about gender pay discrepancies, that is a female lead and a male lead in the same motherfucking movie playing husband and wife that have the same amount of lines and the male character gets twice as much as the female. Right. This is not you're offered something by a network and you think you should get the same shit as Amy Schumer and then you come on a video talking about my sister Amy Schumer. Monique, sit the fuck down with all that bullshit. <laughs> like, I wouldn't hire that bitch for $100,000. No, really. I just think it's ridiculous. Well, no, I feel better because then a lot of people got going on that, you know, I need to advocate more for black women because they make even more than white or even less than white women in lots of cases, which I always want to be that advocate. Well, I'll tell you but what I'm I will like... advocate for. Wanda Sykes should have got more than Monique. I agree. I agree. That's I think she's too. funny. I, that, yeah. I think she's good. Um, I think that Tiffany Haddish should get 10 oh, or $12 million. Exactly. You know what? Lays her bank account out. You know why? Because she earned it. She's out there. She's doing it. Her, her comedy is fresh. It's not hurtful. Right. Monique's comedy is hurtful. As much as people say, oh, she's my sister. She's my friend. Don't hide behind no black shit with me. Okay, I'm a gay black man. Ain't nobody gave me shit. Right. Okay, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you talk about and that. And let me tell you something else. The thing that I set myself up for in 2000, I think, seven, I was working for a network called TV One. Oh, no, 2009. Okay. I was doing uh, the after party. The first... Democratic National Convention. Okay. When was that? When Barack Obama first got into office? Was that 09? 08. Wasn't it 08? 08. Uh, okay. I was oh, but in, I guess 09. It would have been, yeah, 08 into 09. Okay, 08, sorry. Uh, yeah. 08. I was in Denver. I was working for a network called TV One. It was my first live big show. It was hosted by Jackie Reed, Cheryl Underwood, who went on to sure, sure. Um, to host the talk. Yep, the talk. Okay. She sat right next to me on the couch. I'll show yeah, you the video. Yeah, she's great, too. Cheryl Underwood stay really well. She's relevant. great. Uh, Hill Harper. Yeah. Jesse Jackson. Al Sharpton. Uh, Chef G. Garvin. 
um, Marcia Dyson, who you met okay, yesterday, sure. and her husband, Michael Eric Dyson, all of us on a couch, okay? The big show. There was a scene where I was going to an after party. I was going to uh, one of the after parties, and they were going to film me walking out of the car to the red carpet, and then I would start my shtick. Okay. okay? They sent me a stretch white limousine. I thought as a, in my EP head, executive producer head, that was going to look real lame and cheesy and old school and played out for me to pop out of a stretch white limousine okay. and walk up to the, with my big curly hair. I just like, oh, that's too much. The red from the carpet, the white from the limousine, like <laughs> ain't going to work. But the way I delivered it seemed really difficult. Like I was like, I'm not riding in that. Right, right. You know what? We've got an extra 30 minutes. Get me like a, a Cadillac Escalade or Suburban, right? And right. that's that's cooler. That something looks better that looks for the hip, show. Yeah, okay. They took it as this motherfucker is difficult as shit. And you know what? I own that because I should have been more flexible. It right. really wasn't my say. Although that I thought it would make it a better show for me to pop out of a Suburban than this bullshit extra 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 long stretch limousine sure. with neon lights on the inside. They were like, "You're holding up production, and we'll never work with him again." So it's taken 10 years yes. for them to work with me again. Yeah. But yeah. I did that. Right. Do you know? I did that because I, I wasn't that. flexible in that moment. And my energy and the thing that I put out to them turned them off. And I had a reputation within that network to not hire him. I got it. I got it. No, I think you I think you owned it. I think we've all learned and made mistakes. And mm-hmm. we've all undervalued ourselves or overvalued ourselves or whatever. But I think you own it, and I think that's the difference. I, I think with her, it's never there's the cost. no owning She's never that. wrong. Oh my god! She's never wrong. We just solved it right there. Honest hey. to God. All right. Well, God, I need you are, a drink you after are, that. You are on a chair. Oh shit! Have you ever seen him this fired up? No, I know what happened. Something's no, no, like I'm an author in. now. <laughs> I mean, what? Show you were like, what? He completely was like, let me tell you. Well, that's how I talk outside of the show. I thought I'd bring it. I thought I'd give you some realness today, okay? Oh my God, look, we're in love with you. Follow us on social media at HeyFresh, at Paul Wharton, at Paul Wharton Style on Instagram. Also, yeah. be sure to leave the podcast a review. Head to iTunes. Search HeyFresh. Hit five stars. Tell us what you love about Paul and me. We love you, and everybody. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Bye. Bye.